The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode number 78 of the podcast, or you're watching it on YouTube. Today is Sunday, January the 28th, and it's a solo episode this week. I tried to get in touch with my co-host, Jeff the Animal Wilson, but apparently he's napping through this episode. Jeff, I hope you're well-rested. I uh, I had to go ahead and get started without him because... I have very small windows of opportunity to do this now. Uh, for those who haven't been tuning in the last couple of weeks, my daughter, Ariana Soleil, was born two weeks ago, and it has been by far the coolest experience of my life, having a daughter. Uh, it's been totally amazing, but needless to say, I don't have much time for extracurricular activities lately, uh, such as sleep and podcasting. So forgive me if I'm sounding a little bit uh, tired, but I'm going to do the best I can. I'd like to start off by giving a shout out to the Loaded Joe's MMA podcast and the Loaded Joe's MMA podcast community. Uh, Everybody, uh, this is, it's an online community of other MMA podcasters and everybody is so supportive and awesome and if you guys aren't listening to the loaded joe's mma podcast by now uh, i don't know what else to tell you uh because told you several times if you're into this show you'll be into that show for sure he definitely does some different things than we do here on mma on the rock such as interviews and guests and things like that Uh, so if you are into mma and alcohol as I know you are, because you're listening to this show, uh, then check out Loaded Joe's and check out all the other awesome podcasts that the host, Blake Stevenson, uh, is helping to, you know, get their feet wet in the podcasting community or, you know, help build their reputation. And it's it's really an awesome thing because there's not a lot of competition or there's not any competition really between the podcasting hosts because everybody kind of has their own little niche so everybody's helping each other out, and it's it's awesome. So shout out to everybody in the community, uh, especially everybody who has been helping and, and leaving reviews and and boosting each other's podcasts. I, I know uh, we sometimes ask, you know, can you go on to iTunes and leave a review? And if you're into the show, you may be listening, and you may not have left a review because it, it only takes a couple of minutes, but I understand it's hard to just – pull the trigger and get it done and I'm guilty of it too I listen to a bunch of podcasts and I I don't review them for whatever reason but uh, I did get on and and do that for a bunch of the podcasts in the community that I that I do enjoy Uh, and I gotta say it felt good because I know it helps out it helps with the numbers and that helps people get sponsors and in my case it helps me buy more booze so I can stay over the top and under the influence while I'm doing this. 
So let's get into some MMA talk. So we had a card last night from Charlotte, North Carolina. It was headlined by Ronaldo, Jacare Souza, and Derek Brunson. Uh, this was a rematch. Uh, Derek Brunson got knocked out the first time they met, and not much went differently except for the fact that Jacare apparently has added some tools to his striking. He, uh, the beginning of the end was a, a really nice head kick that he threw at Brunson. It looked like Brunson had blocked part of it, but uh, still some of the shin had gotten through and really wobbled him, and then Jacare hit him with three really hard punches up against the fence, and uh, it was it was a great stoppage by Dan Mergliata. Uh, there's, there's a slight chance that Brunson could have recovered and, and powered through, but I really think it was an intelligent stoppage, uh, and it really looked great for Jacare. Um, I, I think what happened was Brunson was really concerned with the ground game. You saw that Jacare kind of went for a throw takedown sort of thing and Brunson scrambled to his feet and he looked a little nervous and tentative immediately after that and then he kind of resorted back. He does this thing that uh, brought him some success early in his career where he runs straight at his opponents with his fists first and leaves his face exposed and against higher level competition uh, Robert Whitaker is the best example I can think of against a really clean striker it just leaves too many openings and he seems to resort back to this when he gets in trouble or he feels under stress in the octagon and it's really unfortunate because I feel like Derek Brunson could be at the very top of this division if he had a little bit more control over that habit and I know that's way easier said than done because you know it's something where he's gotten away with it so many times and at a high level where he would just rush guys and be able to put them out but uh, against the upper echelon uh, of the UFC, uh, it really just leaves him open for exactly what happened last night. So Jacare, who I always say has the most scary jujitsu in all of MMA because, you, you know, a lot of people might say Damian Maya has the best jujitsu, and that, that's fine. Uh, I'm totally open to that argument, but Damian Maya is not out to hurt you. Jacare, if he gets a hold of one of your limbs, he's looking to take it off and take it home with him. And that's a scary thing. Damian Maya is just looking for a gentle tap out and then he's going to let go. He doesn't even want to punch you in the face if he doesn't have to. Now you have in Jacare a guy who is formidable standing up. Uh, my co-host Jeff the Animal Wilson was tweeting last night that he underestimated Jacare's striking so much and it seems like Derek Brunson did too uh, even though he had been knocked out by him before but I don't think anybody was expecting a head kick from Jacare uh, that's that's definitely a new tool I don't recall him having that weapon in past fights and if he has it's it's not something that uh, really stood out to me I guess so Jacare is one of these guys who I feel like on any given night, he could be the best middleweight on the planet. Uh, 
his his only losses recently was a razor close decision to Yoel Romero, which a lot of people felt that Jacare uh, won that fight. Uh, I I don't remember it vividly enough to say one way or the other, but I do remember thinking that Jacare should have gotten the nod there. And then, uh, you know, he had a TKO loss to the current champion Robert Whitaker. So, uh. Jacare, and then if you go back further in his career, he lost a decision to Luke Rockhold in Strike Force. Uh, he lost via up kick to Gegard Mousasi, which you know there's no shame in losing to Gegard Mousasi. He's one of the top middleweights on the planet as well, and it was one of those fluke things. And then uh, the only other loss he has on his record was in his very first professional fight. So here's a guy who is 25 and five as a professional and those losses uh, all come to to top competition for the most part uh i would really love to see jacare get the winner of rockhold and romero which is taking place in two weeks and obviously the winner of that has to fight robert whitaker but from what i understand he's got a very serious injury uh I haven't gotten any confirmation, but it sounds like he got a staph infection that was eating his intestines or something like that. Uh, don't quote me on that because I don't even remember where I heard that. But if it's true, then he's going to be out for quite a while uh, while they rebuild his his guts. Um, but, yeah, I would love to see uh, a rematch with Jacare and Rockhold or a rematch with Jacare and Yoel Romero because it was such a close fight the first time so those are two very interesting fights and I always put Jacare up on such a high pedestal I just feel like he he's one of the most dangerous guys I feel like he's one of the scariest guys or has the scariest jiu-jitsu in MMA like I said before so great performance by him um I, I don't think you can deny the guy a title shot in the near future and the middleweight division is shaping up to be uh one of the most competitive divisions out there you know, you still have Chris Weidman uh, waiting in the wings. You have Kelvin Gastelum has been slowly uh, creeping his way up the ladder there since moving up to middleweight. So you have a lot of interesting things going on there and a lot of interesting matchups and a couple of rivalries. Uh, and all right, let's move on. So the co-main event, I'm just going to kind of breeze over the rest of this card for the sake of time. Uh, so if you're listening to the show because you missed this card entirely, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give a full recap <laughs> uh, like I sometimes do. Uh, I'm just going to kind of breeze over this. Andre Feely uh, getting the upset win over Dennis Bermudez. It was a split decision. Some people thought it was a good decision. Others didn't. Uh, Feely hitting, I believe, four takedowns on Dennis Bermudez, which surprised a lot of people. And I think that may be what won the judges over because Bermudez, obviously a really strong wrestler, hasn't been taken down a bunch in his career. So the fact that Feely was able to do it, and Feely not really known for his wrestling ability. So I think the surprise that he was able to take Bermudez down so many times maybe what gave him the edge. Uh, but this was a really competitive fight. Uh, I... I wasn't mad at Feely getting the nod here. Uh, I know Bermudez kind of looked like he thought he was going to get the decision, but he didn't look 
shocked when Bruce Buffer announced that Feely had gotten it there. So definitely a competitive fight uh, and a, a fun fight for sure. Uh, right before that, Gregor Gillespie and Jordan Rinaldi going at it. And Gregor Gillespie is a guy with a lot of hype behind him. Kid out of Long Island, really strong wrestler. We know that Long Island is chock full of strong wrestlers. And he has some awesome grappling, which he put on display last night against Rinaldi, who's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I believe. Once Gillespie took the fight to the ground, he was able to dominate until eventually getting the TKO towards the end of the first round. Uh, Gillespie had a couple of things going for him in this fight. The first thing is he he got rid of that weird mullet-looking uh, Roy Nelson kind of haircut that he had going on, and uh, he, he resorted back to his wrestling. So, uh, again, a really strong wrestler, really great grappler, and he was using those tools last night. Uh, instead of trying to uh, stand up like he had done in the past. Although, I have to say his striking was looking a little bit better because he, in, in his past couple of fights, he had been a little bit wild with his striking. I thought last night his boxing looked tight. He was keeping his, his hands up high. Uh, I liked seeing those things from him. And he looked dominant on the ground. He said he didn't want to call anybody out, but... Uh, I think it's definitely time for this kid to get somewhere into the top 15 in the lightweight division. I think there are some interesting matchups for him there. I would like to see him in there with someone like an Anthony Pettis, maybe someone who's on their way down out of the top 15 so he can climb up. Uh, that way we get to see if someone like Pettis can still be competitive in this division. We also get to see if if a fairly newcomer like Gillespie can be competitive in this division. So I, I think a fight like that would reveal a lot of interesting things, and that's appealing to me. Uh, and also, Gillespie, a strong wrestler, going against a guy who's a strong striker and also good off his back, uh, th that match intrigues me. So I'd like to see it. Um, Rasad Bektik getting a uh, win over Godofredo Castro with a nasty punch to the body in the first round. Uh, body punch knockouts are always kind of cool. So that was nice. And then I'm going to skip down a little bit. Random Marcos getting a unanimous decision win over Juliana Lima. Marcos is one of these fighters who I believe she has shown so much improvement uh, since first coming on the scene. And I don't think her record really reflects how good she is. Uh, she was able to use some good wrestling, good grappling. Um, although her takedowns, she was getting swept uh, a, a couple of times. I believe it was twice. She took Lima down and I got swept immediately. So maybe there's like a balance issue with the finish of the takedowns. But uh, when she was able to start controlling the fight on the ground... It was pretty much all Marcos uh, from there. Uh, and again, I feel like her record doesn't reflect how good she is. She also said she had a tear in her MCL 
four weeks prior to this fight and she basically had to beg her coaches uh to let her still fight so that shows a sign of a really tough competitor to me and i'd like to see her heal up and, and get back get back in there uh ji yan kim and justine kish had a really close fight i uh i had a hard time deciding who should have won this one because it looked like kish landed more but she also took more damage so there's always that debate uh you know what what really weighs more volume of strikes or damage done and you know there, there are people on both sides of the fence there uh kim got the decision it was a split decision uh, i don't think it was wrong uh but i wouldn't have thought it was wrong if it went the other way as well so I'll, I'll leave it at that for this card uh i thought overall it was a good card what was strange to me was the fact that uh this card started really early uh i had dvr'd it just in case but i don't look at the time when i'm when i'm dvring it so i guess it, it was over by like 10 30 at night i think so i guess this is what people on the west coast feel like when uh <laughs> when they watch these cars i'm so used to being up till one in the morning and then if i watch the post fight press conference being up till 2 30 in the morning it was kind of nice with it ending a little bit earlier but uh, I have to admit, I wasn't paying attention, and I, I never look up when these things start. I uh, I guess I'm a creature of habit, and I just assume the main card is always going to start at 10 o'clock Eastern time because uh, that's what I'm used to. It wasn't overseas or anything. It was right here on the East Coast, so uh, I don't know. Maybe they're doing a new timing thing. If anybody knows, please reach out and let me know. Uh, one bit of news I wanted to touch on. I know there's a lot of things going on, but... One announcement I wanted to get into in particular was the heavyweight championship matchup between Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier was announced for July. It's UFC something or other. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But uh, the fact is that they made this fight, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, for those of you who listened last week, I was kind of campaigning for this fight. I really wanted to see it because it looks like Cain Velasquez is not going to be healthy enough to compete for the heavyweight championship anytime soon. And I think a lot of people want to use that fight to legitimize Stipe's reign as the best heavyweight in UFC history and perhaps the best heavyweight in MMA history. Uh, a lot of people seem to be of the opinion that if he could beat Cain, uh, that it would solidify him as the best heavyweight of all time. I think you could make that argument for him without him fighting Kane. And even if he were to fight Kane, here's the problem with that. Uh, at this point, you don't know which Kane you're going to get. You know, are you going to get the Kane who destroyed Brock Lesnar? Or are you going to get the Kane with back problems and injuries? Uh, or are you going to get the revitalized Kane? That steamed through Travis Brown at UFC 200, uh, which seems like forever ago, and it was the last time we saw Kane fight. So, uh, I'm not sold on the fact that Stipe needs to fight Kane to establish himself as the greatest heavyweight of all time. 
I'm also not saying that Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time. Uh, I think I would have to put a little bit more thought into that. But I just don't think it's as black and white as as some people are presenting it to be. Now, Daniel Cormier announced that he wants to retire by his 40th birthday, which I believe is in March of next year. So he has an expiration date. He said he doesn't care about fighting John Jones anymore and beating him. He wants to focus on his own legacy. So as soon as I heard that, uh, if he's focused on his own legacy, obviously being a two-division champion uh, is something that he should want to add to his resume. I mean, technically he already is a two-division champion since he was the heavyweight champion in Strike Force, and he won the heavyweight Grand Prix there. Uh, so obviously we know he can compete at heavyweight. I think it's a really interesting matchup between him and Stipe because we saw for the first time in a long time, we saw that Stipe can wrestle. Now, is he going to try and take Daniel Cormier down? I doubt it. Uh, but if he's able to take down a, a big guy like Francis Ngannou, Obviously, he has some takedown defense as well. Now, we've seen Cormier toss around heavyweights like Josh Barnett and and high-level wrestlers like Dan Henderson. Uh, Stipe is not the hugest heavyweight, uh, but you know he does have solid wrestling, and he hits really hard, and he can hit guys while he's backing up and knock them out like he did to Fabrice Overdoom. Uh <clears throat> I would be interested to see what Cormier's game plan is against Stipe. I'm really excited for this fight. I'm glad they announced it because the light heavyweight division is completely empty right now. I think they really need to take a step back and build up some contenders in that division by either asking some guys to step up from middleweight since the middleweight division is still so stacked or uh, uh, go, go scouting. You know, Maybe the contender series, maybe do... Uh, an entire season of light heavyweight of on the ultimate fighter. I, I don't really know what the solution is. I, I, I hate to be someone who presents a problem without a solution, but uh, the light heavyweight division is definitely a problem. I'm not taking anything away from Daniel Cormier and what he's accomplished uh, being on top of that division, but uh, we need to start building some stars there, especially if Cormier has a shelf life of, of just over a year, uh, you have to start thinking about who's going to carry the torch in that division. Because, you know, if you look at the top competitors, you have Glover Teixeira, who is probably at the end of his career as well. Alexander Gustafsson, uh, who knows uh, how how into fighting he is still. I don't think he's been too vocal about trying to get the title shot if he has I haven't heard anything uh and you know he's he's talked about not really being into it anymore and then John Jones uh who knows what's going to happen with him uh, if it's not steroids or drugs or running over pregnant women uh, you know it, it the guy's just a mess uh and then we do have a card coming up uh next weekend and it's headlined by Leota Machida and Eric Anders. So, obviously, I don't know if it's obvious, but I'd say 
they they may be trying to put Machida out of his misery here. I don't know why uh, the UFC seemed to have uh, turned on him so quickly. Uh, it was kind of unfortunate what happened with Machida's career uh, because he came and admitted that he accidentally took a banned substance and he took a two-year suspension for it. Um so that was kind of shitty. I, I didn't like it when that happened. But Eric Anders, undefeated, 10-0. Uh, looking to make a name for himself off of Leota Machida. So uh, let's see how he does against the biggest name he's ever fought. And other than that, you have uh, Valentina Shevchenko hiding out on this card <clears throat> against uh, the undefeated Priscilla Cachuera and John Dodson hiding out here too against Pedro Munoz. Uh, Joe Soto with a quick turnaround after getting submitted with a calf slicer a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I'm sure he's been itching to get back in there. This card is in Brazil. Uh, and, you know, for a fight night, it, it's a decent card. Not a lot of known names on here, but uh, th those are usually the cards... Uh, that are the biggest surprises and and have uh, some of the best fights on them. Tim Means hiding hiding out on this card too against Sergio Marais. Uh, <clears throat> so Tim Means with a, a quick turnaround too. So uh, let's see, booze. Okay, uh, lately I've been into this uh, Zacapa rum, which comes from Guatemala, I believe. I'm holding it up for the people on YouTube here. Uh, this is like a a uh, pretty sweet kind of rum. So it, rum is a spirit made from sugar. So obviously rum is always a little bit sweeter than other things. And it's aged in oak barrels, which kind of gives it a bourbony flavor to it, which you guys know I'm really into. So what I do with this Zacapa is I like to mix it with some Grand Marnier and a little twist of lemon and make it kind of a kind of a twist on a rum old-fashioned and it, it drinks really nice it's sweet but you guys know i don't have too much of a sweet tooth so it's not overly sweet uh if you wanted if you do have a sweet tooth you could hit it with a, a sugar cube or maybe even a little bit of honey if you wanted to do it that way uh if you're into sugar in your old fashions i'm not uh i usually like it with just the the bitters and maybe maybe a little bit of club soda to water it down a little bit but that's what i've been sipping on uh reach out to me on social media if you want to let me know what you've been uh thinking and drinking out there and as always i appreciate everybody's uh opinions uh we always love good conversation if you want to reach out to my co-host jeff the animal wilson and scold him for not making it on the show today you can reach him at animal underscore wilson on twitter and you guys know how to get a hold of me it's at mma on the rocks facebook Twitter, Instagram, uh, anywhere else on the internet. Just, uh, or you can send me an email, mmaontherocks.gmail.com. If you do have a minute and you're digging the show, please uh, do get onto iTunes and leave a review. It, it does help us out uh, more than you might think. So thank you to everybody who has been doing that, and thanks for tuning in. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>